Today's Old Testament lesson is from Isaiah chapter 25, verses 6 through 9. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well-refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people he shall take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. It is said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. The word of the Lord. Today's Psalms reading will be from Psalm 118, 14 through 17, and 22 through 24. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Glad songs of salvation in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but I shall live and the deeds of the Lord. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and the Holy Spirit. As in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Today's New Testament lesson is from 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 7. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints, and this not as we expected, but they give themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestings, earnestness, and in our Lord for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. The word of the Lord. The gospel lesson this morning is taken from Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through Please stand for the reading of the gospel. This is the holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices 
so that they might go and anoint him. Very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who is crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go. Tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. They went out, and they fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. This is the gospel of the Lord. Alleluia, alleluia, Christ is risen. That wasn't in the worship guide, I just wanted to throw it in there. In the last couple of months, we've been going through the Gospel of Mark as we lead up toward Easter. Throughout Mark, there have always been um, people in the foreground. They've been foreground actors, but there have always been background actors. In the foreground is always Jesus and the people he's interacting with. And in the background, constantly, if you look at the Gospel of Mark, there is constantly in the background the crowd. It's mentioned by that name over and over and over again, 36 times in the 15 chapters of Mark that we've dealt with so far. Mark mentions the crowd doing this or the crowd doing that. But as we approach the end of Mark, as we move into the crucifixion and then today's story, the narrative very much picks up speed, as if it wasn't fast enough already. Mark is just an action gospel. But the narrative picks up speed, and everyone in the background fades away, leaving only Jesus. Because at the crucifixion, everybody had left Jesus. He stood alone, because that's the way it had to be. And so in the last week, we've seen Jesus' trial, crucifixion, and burial. And then, again, with no crowds, with only three people identified, we see three of his disciples by themselves, women called by name, Mary Magdalene, Mary the son of James, or Mary the, the mother of James, and Salome. They've come to care for Jesus' body, to anoint it with spices, to control the odor of it. And apparently, none of them had remembered what Jesus had said he would do, or they hadn't believed him. He had said multiple times, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, and there I'm going to be arrested and tortured and killed, and then I'm going to rise again on the third day. The disciples didn't remember, or they didn't believe him. Killed on a Friday afternoon, so by sundown that Friday, that's day one. Sundown Friday to sundown Saturday in the tomb, that's day two. By sundown Saturday into Sunday morning, that's day three. But here they come, acting like he was still dead. Doing the same rituals that they always did to care for the bodies of the dead. And in their zeal to minister to their slain teacher, 
their grief dealing with this loss. They, they really didn't have much of a plan. Like they were headed to the tomb, but even on the way there, they said, how are we going to roll away that giant stone that got put in front of it? But someone had already taken care of that. Because again, in rapid fire succession, in only three verses, the women arrive at the tomb, and the tomb is empty. And there's the angel, and he gives them information, and he gives them a charge. He says, do not be alarmed, for you seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go and tell his disciples and Peter that he's going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And the women said nothing because they were afraid. And that's where the Gospel of Mark ends. There's a longer ending that you can find in your, in your Bibles, verses 9 through 20. It kind of parallels the end of the Gospel of Matthew. The disciples gathering in Galilee and Jesus giving them a version of the Great Commission, go and make disciples. In Mark it says, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. But then it also mentions handling snakes with no danger and drinking poison with no harm. And the important reason why we actually end the gospel of Mark here in the church with this weird cliffhanger of, of women disciples being told what to do by an angel of the Lord and then not doing it because they were afraid. The reason that we end it right here is that the oldest versions of Mark that we have don't have that longer ending. There's a few parts of the Bible, especially in the New Testament, where we have what's called textual variants. The, the long ending of Mark or the, the story from John 8 of the woman being caught in adultery. Those aren't in the oldest versions of these Gospels that we have. And so as we try to get closer and closer to the original thing that the Gospel writers or the Epistle writers wrote down, we need to find the oldest copies that we have. Seems pretty clear. And since the oldest copies of Mark leave off right here at the women said nothing because they were afraid, that's where we end our, go- that's where we end our Gospel. That's where we end our time in Mark. And it seems odd. But... Patrick Steffen, a New Testament theologian and a professor of mine from seminary, he likes to think of the ending of Mark this way. Rather than being incomplete, he says, this is the gospel of Mark that God has given us. This is what he has preserved for us at this time. When things like the King James Bible were written, we hadn't yet found older copies of Mark that don't have this ending. So Patrick Steffen says, Mark is a short book and it's an action book. And so to end it on this weird cliffhanger seems strange because it is just go, 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 go from the very beginning. And it's not shy about saying exactly who Jesus was the entire way. Remember, all the way back three months ago, all the way back to the very beginning of Mark, what does it say? Mark 1.1, this is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That one sentence says that Jesus was the Messiah, He was the promised final king of David. And it says that he was also God. And throughout Mark, he has been showing over and over again exactly who this Jesus is, telling us what Jesus did. And we, like the crowds, have been following Jesus, watching him heal, listening to him teach, 
And then at the very end, these three disciples, friends of Jesus, followers of Jesus, they're presented with evidence that Jesus was right, that the resurrection happened exactly like he said it would. And what do they do? They're afraid, and they don't tell anyone. It's almost as though Mark has been building this story and building this story and putting it in front of us, and then he just throws us the ball. As if to say, what are you going to do? You now know who Jesus is. Are you going to tell someone? Or are you going to be afraid? That's our response to the resurrection. Our response to the resurrection of Jesus Christ is joy and exuberance and praising God for his great mercies to us. Without the cross, our sins would not be forgiven. But without the resurrection, we would not be brought into the family of God. And all the promises of God would not be fulfilled. They are inextricable. They can't be pulled apart from each other. Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection is the best story of all time and the most important thing that has ever happened in human history. And our response to that is to tell others about it. And we cannot be afraid. I want to read as part of our Easter worship the Easter homily of St. John Chrysostom. This was written sometime around the year 400 A.D., and it's been said in churches on Easter ever since. It's become a tradition at various points in this sermon to actually have some listener interaction and audience feedback. Every time you hear me say the word embittered, you yell it back to me. Because part of this deals with the fact that hell itself and Satan and all the demons were embittered because Jesus broke the bonds of death. So let's try that. Embittered. Embittered. Perfect. Same thing with risen. Christ is risen. Risen. Excellent. If anyone is a devout lover of God, let him partake with gladness from this fair and radiant feast. If anyone is a faithful servant, let him enter rejoicing into the joy of his Lord. If anyone has wearied herself from fasting, let her now enjoy the feast. If any have labored from the first hour, let them receive today their rightful due. If any have come after the third hour, let them feast with thankfulness. If any have come later in the day after the sixth hour, let them not be in doubt, for they will suffer no loss. And if any have arrived only at the eleventh hour, let them not be afraid, because they have come so late to the feast. For the master is generous and accepts the last even as the first. He gives rest to those who come at the 11th hour in the same way that he gives rest to those who have labored from the first hour. He accepts their deeds and he commends their intentions. And so enter then, all of you, into the joy of our Lord. First and last alike, come together and receive your reward. Rich and poor, dance together. You who have fasted and you who have not fasted, come and rejoice together. The table is fully laden 
let us enjoy it. The calf is fatted. Let no one go away hungry. Let none lament their own poverty, for the universal kingdom has been revealed. Let none bewail their transgressions, for the light of forgiveness himself has risen from the tomb. Let none fear death, for fear for the death of the Savior has set us free. He has destroyed death by undergoing death. By descending into hell, he made hell captive. He embittered it. He embittered it when he tasted of its flesh. As Isaiah foretold when he cried, Isaiah cried, hell was embittered when it encountered Christ in the lower regions. It was embittered, for it was brought to nothing. It was embittered, for it was mocked. It was embittered, for death itself was slain. It was embittered, for it was overthrown. Hell was embittered, because it was put into change. Hell received a body, but it met God face to face. Hell received earth, but it encountered heaven. It received that which was seen, but it crumbled before the unseen. O death, where is your sting? O hell, where is your victory? Christ is risen, and you, O demons, are annihilated. Christ is risen. And the demons are cast down. Christ is risen. risen. And the angels rejoice. Christ is risen. risen. And not one dead will remain in the grave. Christ is risen. risen. And the tombs are emptied of their dead. For Christ, having risen from the dead, has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. To him and to him alone be the glory and the power, now and forever, from all ages to all ages. Amen.